Hi there, are you fed up with your wine belly? Embarrassed about your booze boobs? Sick of waking up with a hangover? And tired of never reaching your potential? Welcome to Sober Sassy Life, the podcast for women who are looking for more out of life than the evening rendezvous with the Chardonnay. Let's banish the wine witch for good. Here's your host, Jackie Elliott. Hi there everybody and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie Elliott. Welcome to Sober Sassy Life. For those of you who tuned in to see the live broadcast today, my apologies, but I have a cold and I didn't think that anybody needed to see that on screen. Uh, Still talking uh, all the usual things today, booze in the news, what's new, a sober sassy life. And today's topic is quitting drinking is a no brainer. So I'm going to start with booze in the news, and I'm just having a look at an uh, uh, article about alcohol which came out in the New York Times on the 14th of September about the increase in drinking amongst the elderly. Well, we've already talked on this show before about the um, higher rates of alcohol consumption among baby boomers and my theory has always been that that has a lot to do with uh, increased accessibility of alcohol, increase in disposable income, a a huge explosion of marketing um, and also a focus on consumerism among um, baby boomers and the good news is that the younger generation seem to be far more uh, accepting of a sober lifestyle and don't view drinking um, as part of the social fabric as people in my generation do. But we haven't really talked about the increase in drinking among the elderly. And it seems that there's been a big spike in numbers among those who are in their 60s and 70s. The the research team that produced um, this the particular study that the New York Times reports on um, didn't really investigate the causes, but the team did speculate that anxiety caused um, by the recession, which hit between uh, two surveys way back in the 1990s and the one that was done very recently in the last couple of years, Uh, Maybe the depression has caused a spike in uh, drinking amongst all age groups, but particularly in the elderly because they've seen maybe a pressure on their pensions. Other experts look at demographic differences. Uh, People in their 60s and 70s now are far less frail than they were in previous generations, so they're they're tending to continue their drinking patterns. Uh, much more uh, of of baby boomers who are going into senior, you know, into seniority have been exposed to uh, lots more drug taking, lots lots more um, alcohol consumption. So far less disapproving of maybe a generation or two or three ago. Um, one a psychiatrist, especially specialising in addiction, said, a uh, Dr. David Olson, we no longer have those folks who grew up with prohibition with abstinence as a value. The problems are with older people drinking is that even though they're healthier, they're still prone to the changes in their biological makeup that makes drinking riskier. So a couple of drinks a night 
when you're 40 years old may not be an issue, but two daily drinks when you're 70 causes a lot more complications. Uh, with every drink, an older person's blood alcohol levels will, will rise higher than the younger drinkers. Older people have much less muscle, uh, muscle mass and the liver metabolizes alcohol far slower and aging brains grow much more sensitive to its sedative properties too. So all of this adds up to uh, a lots more reasons to consider quitting drinking as early as possible um, and as young as possible really. Okay I'd like to move on now with what's new in Sober Sassy Life and we're in October with the run-up to Christmas with uh, Thanksgiving for Canada and the US in between and Halloween and office parties and celebrations kind of culminating at the end of the year in a a new year's celebration so probably now you're looking forward to the next few months of various get-togethers and social scenarios i know from my own experience and also from receiving countless emails and questions about this that socializing when you're newly sober or what if you're trying to get sober is one of the biggest challenges that we face. Ironically, some of my most embarrassing and humiliating times when I was drinking was in a social setting. But still, even taking that into account, when I first quit drinking, the thought of socialising and drinking soda water for the evening filled me with, with dread. I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't know uh, if I was going to feel awkward and out of place. Um, I didn't know if I'd ever get invited if people knew that I was sober. And I didn't know if it would be fun. So bearing that in mind, I've put together a series of six live seminars starting on October the 6th, which is uh, this Friday if you're listening to... um, to the podcast as soon as it's been posted uh, which starts off with the very basic strategies of sober socializing and throughout the six seminars we touch on uh, different topics uh, how to deal with uh, Halloween which might be a children's event but the adults want to have a boozy party how to deal with family at Thanksgiving how to deal with an office party where you, you don't want to stand out like a sore thumb and you feel that you are obliged to go, but you also uh, don't want to um, experience peer pressure into pushing you into drinking. And we finish off the seminars with a ring in uh, a sober 2018 with some tips and advice of how to start the new year off as you mean to go along. So each seminar will be accompanied by uh, some downloads, some uh, added material and if you can't make it live don't worry because there will be replays for each and every one of them and you can sign up for the replays at any time so all of these seminars are completely free there'll be a chance if you uh, attend them live to uh, join in a live Q&A so I hope as many of you as possible will be able to come live and there will be some added bonuses 
uh, for those people who, who can attend live as well. So that's the big news in Sober Sassy Life. I'm, I'm really excited about it because I think this is the number one issue, uh, the number one reason why people really do hesitate about uh, quitting drinking. So I'm really hoping that um, all of this material will really help lots of you who maybe are sitting on the fence or maybe struggling a little bit to, to really get into the mindset that uh, sober is, is fun, uh, you can socialize sober, and in fact, um, socializing without a drink is way better than um, socializing and getting blotto and uh, experiencing all of the downside of of um, the drunken so well all the downside that drunken socializing entails you know lost handbags and phones and expensive cab rides and you know the phone calls next day to find out what it was that you said all of that kind of stuff so i will post the link to this sign up page you can sign up to one or a few or all six uh, of the seminars and again they are absolutely completely free okay so what i want to talk about today uh is the brain and how the brain is uh reacts to heavy drinking and also how the brain heals when we quit i had a request for some information about pause which is a post-acute withdrawal symptom and i'm going to talk about that a little bit later but i wanted to talk about really the effect that alcohol has on the brain over the long term now one of the most scary things about drinking for me and one of the reasons that i was finally compelled to quit drinking for good because I was absolutely frightened about the number of blackouts I was having. And it wasn't the kind of woozy memories that come back in embarrassing flashes, um, you know, of dancing on the table and doing embarrassing karaoke or whatever. It was a complete, total loss of memory. I still have no recollection of seeing some movies, um, thank goodness for Netflix, and... I still have no recollection of making some phone calls, posting on Facebook, sending emails, and it's just the horror of the evidence the following day. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't believe that I've done this kind of thing. Um, and that's not a convenient, oh, well, I can't remember how terrible I was. It is it's a literal, the, the memories just aren't there. Uh, and at the end of my drinking days I would have complete blackouts of conversations and complete situations even when first of all I hadn't really drank that much and when it appeared to other people that I wasn't drunk at all and in the end it was not uncommon for me to have no memory of getting to bed and I would wake up at you know the early hours of the morning dehydrated depressed and absolutely frantic that I was losing my mind so scientists know the reason for this, for these blackouts, and it's really kind of a vindication for me on one hand to, to know that there's a physical reason for it, but it is also frightening to think of all the permanent damage I may have may had done if I'd carried on drinking. So it's all to do with your hippocampus. So your hippocampus is this tiny little nodule which resides in your brain, 
and effectively it's a recording device that stores all your memory data. So when you douse your hippocampus with booze, as I did daily, you stop the recording process. But already recorded memories up to that point remain. So when I had blackouts, it's not that I couldn't remember what I had been doing or saying, it's that I actually didn't, I didn't have any memories at all. I had, my brain had not recorded those events. And the, the hippocampus can recover from its wallow in alcohol for a while, but at some point, and scientists don't know when, the damage does become permanent and also starts to affect the rest of the brain. Scientists have also noted that it gradually takes less and less alcohol to produce these, these blackout situations, but uh, they don't know why that should be. I took far too long to respond to this, and luckily for me, there doesn't seem to be any permanent damage. But every so often, since I've quit drinking, even now, I have had a few days when my brain seems really foggy and I feel tired and lethargic and flu-like, sometimes almost like a hangover. And when it first happened, it was a complete surprise. Up until then, being sober had meant that my energy levels had increased um, and my sleep was really refreshing. But all of a sudden, for no apparent reason... I woke up in this complete fog, almost as if I had been drinking the night before. And when I did some research, I discovered that the reason for this was actually post-acute withdrawal symptoms. Now, post-acute withdrawal symptoms, or pause, as we refer to it, the most common symptoms are this, uh, mood swings, anxiety, irritability, tiredness, uh, variable energy, low enthusiasm, inability to concentrate, and disturbed sleep. Post-acute withdrawal symptoms occur because your brain chemistry is gradually returning to normal. As your brain improves, the levels of your brain chemicals kind of fluctuate as they approach the new normal which causes these withdrawal symptoms and most people experience some of the symptoms which I've just mentioned. So it feels a little bit like a roller coaster so sometimes your your symptoms when you first experience them are are changing you know all of the time. Uh, Later as you start to recover uh, you'll find that you don't experience any of these symptoms for quite a while and then they'll return And as you progress into your sobriety, the symptoms appear less frequently and they're usually less intense. This post-acute withdrawal symptoms period can last up to two years. That's the bad news. But the good news is, of course, that you're experiencing this because your brain is healing. It's going through a healing process. So you know when you fall over and you hurt your leg and you've got a scab on it and it starts to itch. Well, that's a pretty good analogy of what's basically happening in your brain. It feels uncomfortable, but you know it's just because it's healing. 
So the big danger of post-acute withdrawal symptoms is because your energy is low and you're feeling pretty grumpy and you have mood swings, then this is really a danger time for people to relapse. Uh, So you do have to be on your guard. So how do you deal with them? Well, the biggest thing is to be aware. The thing is, if you know what it is that you're going through, then at least you know that these symptoms are only going to last a few days and they will pass. You have to be patient because you can't hurry this this healing process. You have to just try and get it through, uh, through it one day at a time. And the thing is not to try and, you know, tough it out or bulldoze your way through it, is to really try and go with the flow, look after yourself, and treat yourself as if you would if you if you had a bout of flu you know take a little bit of downtime if, if that's possible go to bed early focus on on sleep if you have very little enthusiasm for and to you know for doing anything then don't try and make yourself do that try and practice some relaxation techniques like meditation that will help and as I say, look at your areas of self-care that you can improve on. Treat yourself. Really, you know, pamper yourself and make yourself feel good. There's real. There's really no um, cure. There's nothing that you can take. There isn't anything that you can do. You just have to go through this period. There's no way around it, I'm afraid. The only, the only way to get through post-acute withdrawal symptoms is to keep going through it. Now... Remember that if you relapse and you go back to drinking and then you try and quit again, then you're just going to run into the same problem. So uh, try and keep yourself motivated to stay away from the bottle. So hopefully that would be some help for you, all to do with uh, the brain on alcohol and also off alcohol. Thanks for listening to this episode and we'll be back to the normal live uh, video broadcast uh, next week. So I look forward to talking to you then. Bye for now.